Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, well, happy new decade, John. Yeah, happy new year. Isn't it? It, it's it, holidays just like zoom by. It's incredible how fast we're here, and I mean, we're it's twenty twenty. It's a new decade, folks. It I is. Mean, wow. Welcome and, to the twenty twenty. And we're almost ready for the uh, college football season next fall for South Carolina, oh, kicking off a new year. You know, we're no, excited. No, we're not quite looking that far yet, John. Oh, that's uh, right. The, there is another important game coming up, there right? There is one more game coming up for some of us here, the Clemson Tigers. <laughs> Tiger squared, right? Yeah. The Tigers will win the national title. I'll say that. Will I'll you really? On I, all right. I'm not quite going to be that bold. Good grief. Well, I the LSU Tigers, so. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. a good point. All right. There you go. Touche. I'll take that one. Yeah, I mean, that was an incredible playoff. Off game though, wasn't it? It was. Ohio State, Phenomenal. good grief. I, I didn't think we'd come back from that. I was getting ready to, you know, cancel all reservations. Yeah, you know, one, but, of, uh, one of the better games <clears throat> I've seen in a long time. That was exciting. That was incredible. So anyway, here's to, you know, hoping for, for the championship. There Who knows? you go. Who knows? It's exciting, though. And speaking of exciting, I mean, we have an exciting uh, lineup for you, you know, starting off today here in the new year. Um how about setting smart goals for 2020, John? Versus dumb goals? Versus dumb goals, exactly. <laughs> SMART is actually an acronym, and this comes yep. straight from Dave Ramsey's organization. It's an acronym for setting goals <clears throat> that have you know very specific attainable standards. And so I won't give you the whole acronym just yet, but yeah, <clears throat> they're smart. They're put, put it that way. They're smart. There you go. And then we're going to follow that up with a, a discussion about asset allocation. I mean, Steve, this is one of the most important um, decisions you have with your finances and your investments. And there's some different rules of thumbs out there. One of them we're going to look at is the, the rule of thumb that says, uh, take a hundred and subtract your age. And that's the amount that you, you should be in stock. So we're going to talk about the pros and cons of that and maybe some yep. other ideas as well as asset allocation. But that's a very important piece of your investment strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that rule of thumb is interesting because, you know, that was really popular and it's become less popular, and, and but for good reason. So we'll get into that. So good topic. Um, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 24 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. You can listen to it from the computer, or you can go out and download it in iTunes as well. Um, but also go to our website, moneymd.net. We have a lot of tools and calculators and all kind of good stuff out there, right? And this is our, our ninth <laughs> anniversary week here. Nine, it is. Nine-year anniversary. Yeah, week. that's right, 2011. I think our first... Financial fact or fact was about Elvis's birthday. That's exactly right. Right, you yeah, remember that January eighth, yeah, two thousand eleven. Seems crazy. like yesterday. So, um, also have a Facebook page, uh, Money MD. Go check that out as well. Absolutely. <clears throat> but we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the Georgetown University Center on Education and Workforce, and uh, they did a a study and they did some research. And um, this is interesting. About twenty percent of all jobs nationwide or about 30 million full-time jobs that pay at least 55000 per year, they don't require a bachelor degree. 
Um, wow. So you had to get a skill set, obviously, to, to go in and work in these jobs. But 30 million full-time jobs pay at least 55000 per year. So college is a... It's a lot. It, it is. College is a good option, um, but you got to look at different options. College is not right for everybody. The student loan debt that is attached to that is really hurting people today. So just do your research into, you know, what's going to fit you and your skill set. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the highest paid people that we sit down with um, sometimes are, are just simply uh, people with a great trade. You know, yes. small business owners maybe that are have a plumbing business, electrical, um, welding, you know, well, I yep. mean, it, just all kinds of things that, you know, just, just a, good, a good trade, you know, a good tech school type thing um, can really get you a long way. So don't overlook those opportunities when you're planning for your career. And so great fact of the week. And that leads us up here to our first topic, John, and that is setting SMART goals for 2020. And that's SMART as in S-M-A-R-T, which is obviously an acronym we'll get into here in a minute. But this comes from DaveRamsey.com. But, you know, John, it is that time of the year. I mean, it's time to set your goals for the coming year. And unfortunately, most people fail to set any goals. And when they do... They lose enthusiasm in only a few few weeks. They far far they fall far short of achieving their goals, you know, each year. Um, but not this year, because you're gonna set smart goals which will substantially improve your probability of sticking to your goal and actually achieving them. Mm-hmm. Um and then when it comes to setting goals, most of us we have the best intentions, right? I mean, you're going to finally take control of your money. You're going to get fit. You're going to start that new hobby, you know, whatever it is you, you've been planning on. But here's the thing. I mean, most of us won't actually do any of that, right? I mean, we're going to set – setting goals for yourself is absolutely the right thing to do. But just having good intentions alone doesn't change anything. Um, so you have to make – resolutions that you want, but a resolution without a plan is just wishful thinking. So how can you stick to your goals throughout the new year? And the answer is to make smart goals. Yeah. So what are smart goals? I mean, these these goals give you direction. Uh, They help you see if you're getting closer to your target or if you're still treading water. And so it it it, um, the acronym um, stands for specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-sensitive. So we're just going to dive right into it. The first one is, is you know, be specific. Um, get down to the nitty-gritty with it by saying you just want to lose weight. It's not going to cut it. Say, you know, 20 pounds or you want to be able to do 20 sit-ups in a row without passing out. So watch for any roadblocks that could keep you from reaching that goal and make a plan to get there. So the question to ask yourself is, is um, who does my goal involve? And what am I trying to accomplish here? And uh, when and where um, do I want to make that goal happen? So you got to be specific. Put numbers on it, um, and then it kind of fits right into the next one, but it's got to be measurable as well. Yeah, that's right. The M stands for measurable. <clears throat> so if you know that your ultimate goal, for example, is to pay off $24,000 in debt next year, I mean, that means you have to pay off $2,000 a month to reach that goal, or that's about $460 a week. So break your goal down into doable chunks. Give yourself daily, weekly, monthly steps to achieve that goal and focus on those. Accomplish one, then head to the next one. Um, So, you know, ask yourself the question of how long will it take to reach my goal? You know, how do I know when I've reached my goal? Make it a measurable goal. So that's a good, very important piece of the puzzle. 
The next uh, letter in the acronym is A. A is for achievable. <clears throat> okay. Is your goal realistic? Um, do you have the ability to do it? Um, what about the skills and the tools that you need to reach your goal? If not, there's no shame. I mean, just change your goal to something that you can actually accomplish that is achievable. Um, you know, do you have, you have to, do you want easy to reach goals? Um, not really. I mean, you want to stretch, stretch yourself, a little bit, yeah. right? Um, but don't chase after something that will, in the end, end up discouraging you in the long run. So ask yourself the question, do I have the resources to achieve my goal if the answer is no, then what am I missing or should I have a different goal? Yeah, and uh, the R in SMART goals is make sure it's relevant. You've got to figure out your your why of, you know, why you're doing something. I mean, if you if you have so many hobbies and, you know, there, if this is just another, um, you know, goal that doesn't get you to a further, um, you know, uh, wish in your life, then it's just not going to happen. So it's got to be relevant. Find out what your why is. And so as an example, if you want to go on, you know, a date with your spouse twice a month, it's to invest and strengthen your relationship. So that would be your why. So that's really powerful. So you got to ask yourself, is the goal within reach? Is it reachable with the time and resources that you have? And, and why do I want to reach this goal? What's it going to mean in your life? Yeah, that's important. That's a good one. And the last letter here, John, is T, and that is for time sensitive. Um, you have to have a time limit because you need to finish. You need to have a finish line to know when your goal is going to be done. Um, so take that goal of yours, create a plan, and break it all the way down into the daily activities. Then give yourself a deadline. For example, you know, if you'd like to lose 20 pounds by December 31st, for example, um, that might be a goal. You know, but to lose 20 pounds, calculate uh, the things that, you know, you have to do. You know, how many times do you have to work out each week? You know, what's your daily calorie intake? And then use some tools, you know, like, I mean, for diets, Fitness Pal, I think is a great tool to use, great app on your phone that you can use for diets. Um, but, you know, for just generally for setting goals, you can use like the Business Boutique 2020 Goal Planner is one of them that can help you organize your thoughts and, and attack your plan. Um, so ask yourself the question, though, do I have a deadline for reaching my goal? When will I achieve this goal? How many times will I achieve this goal? Um, so those are the questions you need to ask. But give yourself the SMART treatment, okay? I mean, let's break it down exactly what a SMART goal would look like in your life to, for instance, to pay off debt. So first, you got to be specific, right? Um, so in this example, um, set a goal for how much debt you want to pay off. So we'll, we'll go back to our $24,000 in a year example. Um, so that's the specific goals, pay off $24,000 in debt. Next, though, you want to make sure it's measurable. So now it's time for some math, right? You want to break down the $24,000 into 12 months, and you need a plan to pay off $2,000 each month to chip away at your debt and to reach that goal. So that's the measurable piece of it. The next piece of it, though, is, is it achievable? Is your goal doable? Um, well, heck yeah, it's doable, right? You just make sure that you're armed with the tools that you need to tackle it. Um, you know, have things in place to help you, like a monthly budget and a plan that works and someone in your corner rooting for you and maybe some accountability 
But yeah, make sure it's achievable. And also, you got to keep your why in sight because you know if you have a, a twelve month goal, or sometimes for debt, it's going to be you know you know uh, twenty four months. It's going to be difficult five or six months into it. You're going to see people going on vacation, eating at fancy restaurants, and you know, and at the same time, you're going to be scrimping and saving to hit that goal. So you got to remember your why of why you're getting out of debt, why it's so important for your future, and and why you're sacrificing today so you can be you know free in the future from from that debt so keep that why in mind yeah and then the last one is the time um you know time sensitive uh sure you could spend the rest of your life you know taking your sweet time to get out of debt but you know why would you do that when you can kick it to the curb now and you can get on your way to you know financial peace right to live in the the best rest of your life that you can so you know give yourself a time limit to complete your goal and that's going to help you stay focused and motivated. So have a deadline for your goal. So make sure your goal, your 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 smart goals are your goals as well. John, you can't, you know, you don't want to be trying to accomplish somebody else's goals, right? I mean, uh, that never works out. I mean, sure, your mom may want you to take classes to switch careers, but, you know, it won't happen unless it's your desire too, unless your heart is in it. Um, because striving to win, you know, isn't for the faint hearted, right? It's tough. Um, and you won't have the drive to stick with it if you're working toward a goal that's not even yours and one that you're passionate about. And just because your spouse or your parents want you to get out of debt doesn't mean that you're going to do it either, right? I mean, you have to want to. So the goals you set have to be your goals, uh, when push comes to shove, you're the one that has to fight to make them a reality. So get in there and start swinging. Yeah, and I think one of the keys here, Steve, is is writing these goals down and um, making sure that you can track them. You can hold yourself accountable. Uh, you can track the progress along your way. We see people that do this with debt. They'll put it up on the refrigerator. And uh, as a family, they, they kind of mark off yep. kind of like the um, uh, the United Way. They have that little temperature gauge, and yep. they kind of shade <clears throat> it in. You know, just So write it down. Keep it in front of you. Make it a, a family goal if that's what it is. Um, but uh, you know, if you can visually see how you're progressing on it, it's going to help. Yeah, that's what Kathy always does for our diet plans. You know, when when we start a diet plan, she'll get me a calendar and like put it on my bathroom door and she'll make me like weigh in and put my weight on there. Somebody should put it on the refrigerator. Yeah, the refrigerator is a good place. (laughs) That's no doubt. I was going to say for a diet plan. But uh, yeah, you definitely got to have a measurable way to um to 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 see and and seeing it visually is a big help. So anyway, the seven areas of your life for smart goals that we recommend is um is one is for financial goals, right? Start saving for retirement, get out of debt, use a zero monthly uh based budget for doing that. So those are financial goals and there's spiritual goals, you know, pick up a new devotional, start your daily journal, plug into a group at your church. Um, another area, those fitness goals, you know, hit the gym more often, take the stairs, um, remember to eat, you know, to eat healthy. Uh, and then there can be educational goals. Go back to your, to finish your degree, maybe get an MBA, um, read a good book every single month, um, you know, but put some educational goals in there is a, is a key as well. And then there's could be family goals, um, you know, plan that one-on-one date with your kids, have a standing date night with your spouse, or make it a point to call your mom or your dad on Sunday nights, maybe. 
Um, and then there can be career goals, working toward a promotion or a raise, learn something new about your, your work and your career that you can use to help yourself get ahead. Um, polish up on your, your, you know, polish up your resume if you want to change jobs to, to start looking for a new career path. And then the last one here is social goals. So say yes when somebody invites you out to lunch or to a social gathering, right? Force yourself to kind of jump out of your comfort zone a little bit to go socially interact with people, to expand yourself socially. Um, or for some of us, maybe you need to say no more often. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? So it just depends on who you are. But those are some of the areas that uh, – seven areas of your life that you can apply these goals um, but don't get discouraged if you get off track. You know, life happens. I mean, we all hit speed bumps and road blocks from time to time. That, that's okay. As long as you stay focused on the end goal and you keep taking the small steps toward achieving it, you're going to be on your way to a big life change. So take the first step today, reaching your financial goals by scheduling a time on your calendar right now to meet with your spouse and to set some SMART goals for 2020. Yeah, good one. All right. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, the question is, is should I do Roth conversions? And so basically a Roth conversion is taking money from an IRA account and uh, you pay the tax bill on it and you put it into a Roth account, which means you're not going to pay taxes in the future. So, I mean, the first thing I would say is you want to make sure you understand your tax bracket. Right. You don't want to get in too high of a tax bracket. And then also the tax bill you want to pay from – uh, an outside source. If you have cash or maybe a brokerage account as yep, well to pay that tax help. bill, if you do $10,000 from an IRA to a Roth, you want to put all 10 into the Roth, right? Yeah, that's a big help because then you're actually getting more money in a tax-free environment if you can do that because all of a sudden you're turning it from pre-tax money where about a third of it maybe is is you know tax that belongs to the government to all after tax. So if you can pay it out of your pocket, that's a huge benefit but yeah, I mean, I think if you're in a 12% tax bracket or less, I think that's a, you know, doing Roth conversions makes a lot of sense, but it just depends on your situation, depends on how much you already have in Roth, how much do you have in pre-tax money. Mm-hmm. You want to kind of balance those out so that you have, you know, a, a good healthy balance and you're not kicking yourself into a higher tax bracket in the process. So yep. good question of the week. And that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is 100 minus your age. Um, you know, that's the age old rule for mm-hmm. determining your asset allocation, John. I mean, yeah, what's wrong with that? Yeah, well, I had a conversation with uh, someone recently on this and, and went and did some research. And, you know, we've, we've seen this, we've heard this uh, before. And, and um, you know, this is um, probably one of the largest investment decisions you'll make in your investments is your asset allocation. That's right. And uh, the, the 100 minus age rule means. You'll say you're 50, you would take 100 minus 50, and 50% would be in stock. So, um, you know, and the rest of it would be in bonds. And so over the years, many rules of thumb have have developed in an attempt to uh, provide guidance. And one of those rules, like we're talking about, is this 100 minus your age rule. And um, so it gets more and more conservative as you get, you know, older <clears throat> and older. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's right. If you use this rule at 40, you would have 60% of your 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 investments in stock and uh by 65 you would have reduced your allocation to just 35 percent stocks in technical terms you know it's referred to as the declining equity glide path um each year um more likely every few years you decrease your allocation to stocks and you'd reduce your volatility and your level to risk 
But, I mean, you have to ask yourself, if you're age 40, why wouldn't you have 100% in stocks? Yeah, right. That's obviously one of the obvious fallacies. I agree. I agree. <laughs> and, and so, you know, this rule also assumes that, that, you know, planning is the same for everybody, which obviously it's different. And investing decisions should be based on your financial goals and your, your assets and your future income potential and any number of other factors. And, you know, if you're currently 55 and not planning on taking withdrawals, um, from your accounts, um, you know, until age 70, um, then your money has, you know, 15 or more years to work um, before you'll need to touch it. And so if you want your money to have the highest probability of earning a return in excess of, you know, 5% a year, then having only 50% of those funds allocated to stocks may be too conservative based on your goals and time frame. I think that's the key is you got to look at other factors, your your goals, your assets, um, what your risk tolerance is. Some people yeah, what's your are comfort riskier. Level? Yep, mm-hmm. that's different for every person we talk with. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think you have to, you know, look at history too and recognize that fixed income is only paying what, you know, one or two percent in today's world, you know, maybe three if you're in, in bonds. Mm-hmm. Um and equities, you know, have averaged about ten percent per year over the last eighty years. If you're talking about the S and P five hundred, obviously past performance doesn't guarantee future results. Yes, that's um, correct. But you know, on the other hand, there's a big chasm there between fixed income and equities. So anything you have in fixed income is going to dilute your return significantly in today's world. But on the other hand, you know, you might be sixty two and you might be about to retire. I mean, in this situation. You know, retirees, they're going to benefit from, uh, uh, you know, having some money in fixed income and uh, lowering their volatility. Um, and so but you also, though, might delay the start of your Social Security benefits and you might use retirement withdrawals for living expenses until you reach age 70. In that case, um, you, you might need to have a significant amount of your money uh, invested over the next eight years and maybe a 38 percent allocation to stocks. Um, you know, would would be too high or too low. So you gotta you yeah. gotta look at everybody's situation. It's always different. Depends on your plan and your goals and, and what you're going to do over the short term. Yeah, and there's actually been some academic research on this topic and, um, you know, kind of looking at that declining equity glide path. And um, <clears throat> so some options including a static approach is you know sixty percent in stocks, forty percent in bonds with doing some annual rebalancing or using maybe a, a rising equity glide path where you entertain a higher allocation to bonds and spend spend those bonds um, while letting the stock allocation grow. But there was some research by uh, a gentleman in our industry, Michael Kitchis, is pretty uh, well-known yeah. as well, that uh, came out recently. Yeah, he's he's in our industry and, and very well-read, like you said. you know he's. Um, but what he shows is that in a poor stock market, um, such as what you might have experienced if you retired in 1966, um, the 100 minus your age allocation approach delivered the worst outcome because it left you out of money 30 years after retirement. So you were dead broke 30 years after retirement. So using a rising equity guide actually uh, is where you spend your bonds first delivered the best outcome, which is totally opposite of what yeah. people would think. Yeah, and they also tested the outcome with various allocation approaches over a strong market, and um, you know, such as those that you experienced if you retired in 1982. And in a strong market, all three approaches left you in good shape, um, with the static approach delivering the strongest 
ending account values and the uh, rising glide path approach, leaving you with the lowest uh, values and the hundred minus approach was right in the middle. So um, again, these are, these are all very um, kind of siloed approaches here. There's so many other factors that come into play. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, you know, so you do have to plan for the worst and hope for the best. I mean, when you're, when you're planning for retirement and so when you retire, I mean, there's no way of knowing, whether you're going to be entering a decade or two of strong stock market performance or, or whether it's going to be a weak decade ahead. Um, so it's best to build your allocation plan so that it's going to work based on the worst case scenario. Um, and as such, the, the 100 minus your age approach does does not appear to be the best allocation approach to use in retirement because it doesn't fare well under poor stock market conditions. Um, so you got to give yourself something that's going to going to yeah. work better in that environment. Yeah. And it says in, in poor stock market conditions, I mean, if you're just starting out in retirement and you have a whole bunch of bonds, then, you know, you're going to have less exposure to the poor markets. And, you know, if that were the case, and then you gradually increased your allocation to equities, that would be the best solution. So obviously no one knows, right, what the markets are going to do tomorrow right. or next year. Um, so the best strategy really takes into account a variety of factors. Um, you know, we we use in our planning process um, conservative estimates and 60-40 type allocations. And, um, you know, I, th I think if you go into retirement and you have a good um, you know, budgeting process, and you know what your income needs to be. Uh, you have cash on hand. You minimize your debt. Um, historically, sixty forty has worked fairly well, as long as you have a process in place. When the markets are way down, you do leave the stocks alone, and you just pull from the bond side of it. So, you know, the process is really important, um, and understanding the history of the markets as well. Yeah, I mean, most most advisors, most people in our industry take the very individual approach, you know, where you look at somebody's situation and you look at their overall plan and you figure out first, what return do you need to reach your goals? You know, maybe you only need a 4% return to reach your goals because you've done so well saving up for retirement. Um, and if that's the case, you can afford to have a lot more in fixed income but on the other hand, maybe you need a 6% or a 7% return to reach your goals. That would indicate that you can't afford to end up with, you know, only 40% in the market. Um, so, you know, that's one factor. Another factor is your comfort level. You know, how comfortable are you riding out the ups and downs of the markets? Even though we know you have the time horizon, you know, if you're five years to retirement, in most five-year periods, you've fully recovered from the worst uh, bear market. <clears throat> um, you know, albeit there are some where you might still be down, but it's very rare. And so if you have a time horizon, then that's another factor. But are you comfortable enough staying in? Because if you would get scared out and make the wrong decision at the wrong time and pull out the market, then that over overrides everything else. So you have to back off and risk enough to know that you would be able to sleep at night, you'd be able to ride out the down market and not, not panic at the bottom. Um, so, you know, and then, and then of course, you know, there's the, 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 the overall time horizon factor mm -hmm. of, you know, how much time do you have and, and can you afford to, uh, to be down for an extended period of time? Do you, you, you know, if you're taking money out of the portfolio, you're going to have to have some fixed income to draw that from during down market. So there's more factors to it than just a rule of thumb, but these rule of thumbs are, are helpful to kind of, you just, know, get you started. 
get you thinking in the right direction. Yeah, right, right. But then you got to apply very specific, you know, uh, individual individual terms. Yep. T- yeah, to your individual situation, you got to pl- apply all this knowledge to your individual situation. So, anyway, a great topic to think about, and um, that leads us up here though to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, so uh, it's budget time, Steve. I know um, you know some people yes, don't is. like that B word, but uh, we're big believers in it, as you know the Dave Ramsey organization is as well. So now's the time to do it. My my experience with budgeting over you know decades is for, for us, what we do is we budget on an annual basis because that way you can kind of see. Hey, you have these number of fixed expenses, right? You know, you've right. got you've got <laughs> utilities, and if you have a mortgage, and and if you have debt and so forth, you can say, hey, these are what I have to pay, and then you're going to have a whole bunch left over, probably. That's what most people have, and then you can figure out as a goal, kind of going back to the smart goals, where do you want to focus in in 2020? Do you want do you need to pay off debt? Do you need to get your emergency fund up? You know, college things like that. So look at it on an annual basis. We have some tools on our website that you can check out. Um, Dave Ramsey has every dollar. Mint.com is another good one. There's another one out there called YNAB. Uh, that's Y-N-A-B. You need a budget as well. I have some clients okay. who use that that's as well. One. So you know, a lot of different tools out there. But I like doing it on an annual basis. kind of gives you a macro view, and it can kind of tell you, hey, we have this much to apply to our most important goal. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, that's kind of a minimum if you do it on an annual basis. I think for a lot of people, they need to do it monthly. Well, no, break it down monthly after that. Absolutely. So so do the annual piece of it, and then you can break it into monthlies. But I think you have to have that annual to kind of guide your overall monthly piece of it. But no, definitely do monthly. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, the key is to get started, you know, and, and now's the time. Get started. Sit down. Reassess your budget. It doesn't have to be complicated. You know, keep it as simple as possible, but have some kind of budget that you're talking about. Start the conversation. <clears throat> Look at your expenses. Reassess, you know, where your money's going. <clears throat> There's undoubtedly some areas it's going to that are wasteful, that you don't need anymore. Right. That, you know, a prescription, uh, that subscription that you're not using anymore, that membership to the gym or whatever it is that you have that's just, you know, is is no longer useful and it's falling down the priority list. The golf membership. Uh, no, not that one, John. Uh, <laughs> you got to cut those things out. You got to trim it up and you got to reassess it for the new year. Yeah, this is so, the time to do it. This is the time to do it. And that is your prescription of the week. So this brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. And you can link to us right off of your website, moneymd.net, for that. Or call us at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.